everyone, and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, it's good to be with you today, and if you uh, have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans, and uh, it was last year at this time we started uh, our journey through the book of Romans. And uh, today we're going to finish that up. We're going uh, to look at the last chapter. So if you have your Bible, look with me to chapter 16. And uh, we're going to look at that last chapter together and discover truth that I think will make a, a difference in our life. We've already recognized that the book of Romans kind of t- turns a, the corner in chapter 12 where Paul begins to get very, very practical uh, with, um, w- with what he has taught. The first part of the book, he kind of gets in the weeds and gives us some doctrinal truth. And, and then in beginning with verse or, or chapter 12, he begins to talk about how to make application of that uh, to our life. And today, uh, he really focuses on some truth that I think uh, all of us need to hear. Now, last time we were together, we were in the latter part of chapter 14 and the first part of chapter 15 and the latter part of chapter 15 really kind of continues the thought that I shared with you last week um, that was uh, started in chapter 14 in the first part of 15 where he talks about the unity and in the, the church and the diversity and how we are to love and accept each other. Now he turns his attention to to really get into our business a little bit before uh, he finishes um, his uh, word to the church. Uh, Charles Tremendous Jones, some of you might remember that name, once said, you will be in 10 years exactly who you are right now except for the books you read and the friends you associate with. Now, I don't know if I totally agree with him. I think we could probably throw circumstances and challenges that we have in life in with that. But I will say that maybe he's on to something. And that 10 years from now, you'll be exactly the same as you are, except for the things you read, except for the folks you hang out with, spend time with, and for the challenges and circumstances that you experience in life. I will say this, few things shape us like the relationships that we have with others. Few things impact the direction of our life as much as those with whom we regularly associate. And we sometimes don't think about that. That's the reason I believe that Solomon wrote, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, as we come to the end of the book of Romans, Paul kind of gives us a peek into his contact list. If this was his Facebook page, we're going to get a glimpse of his friends. And 
What's really interesting is that we have a tendency to miss this. Um, we certainly recognize that Paul was an incredible man used mightily of God. But what we fail to recognize sometimes is that Paul was surrounded by an army of unnamed people that helped him do what God had called him to do. And apart from these people, he would never have been able to do what he did. He would never have been used of God in the way that he was. And so when he comes to chapter 16, the entire chapter really is, is Paul listing the names of people and commending those who have been with him. And in chapter 16, he gives the list of 35 names, other references that are unnamed and households that are unnamed. Eight of the names that he gives us are people that he knew and were with him in Corinth, 27 are identified as people who were in Rome with him. 20 men, seven women, possibly eight. There's one name that could be a man or a woman. We're not really sure which. Um, and there are unnamed people and households that would have expanded that number. I do find it interesting that no other ancient document mentions as many women in a positive light as does Romans chapter 16. He mentions couples, singles, Jews, Gentiles, slaves, wealthy aristocrats, and some unnamed as I mentioned a moment ago. Most of them are individuals that we would never know anything about if Paul hadn't put their name right here. We would not even know their name. They're ordinary people just like you and just like me. But God used these ordinary people in extraordinary ways to accomplish his purpose. And as I look at the chapter, I, I, I want to I walk away reminded of three truths um, because as we look at the contact list of Paul I, I think there are three distinct things we can discover uh, first of all I think Paul kind of gives us some insight into the to the folks that we need to be running with. There, there are those who we are to run with, friends that we are to hold close to us. But he also reminds us in the text that there are some we need to run from. Do, 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 have you figured out that there are some folks you need to run from in life and not run with? And, and sometimes we end up running with them before we realize we need to run from them, right? But he tells us that there are those we need to run with, there are those that we need to run from. And then finally, he tells us who we need to run to. And so those are the three things that I wanna do in our time together. First of all, let's look at, at those we are to run with. Now, Paul lists, as I mentioned to you, 35 names, and we don't have time to look at every one of them. And, 
And so what I want to do is just look at four of the names that he gives us in the list to get an overview and an understanding of, of maybe uh, uh, those that Paul says we are to run with. Um, if it could be that we have a picture of them. So if you have your Bible in verse 1 of chapter 16, Paul begins that final chapter by saying, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is in Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you help her in whatever manner she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper for many and of myself as well. Greet Persica and Aquila. Their names occur in other places in the Bible. You might know them better as Priscilla and Aquila, but here it's Persica and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only I do give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And then if you'll jump down, in verse 8, he says, greet Ampelitus, my beloved in the Lord. And then look at verse 13, where Paul gives another perhaps recognizable name, greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord and his mother, and mine. Now we, as I mentioned, don't have time to look at all 35, but I want to take a moment to look at those four. He begins by commending to us one he refers to as his sister, Phoebe. The word Phoebe or the name Phoebe literally means bright and radiant. She, she's the first of seven possibly eight women that are mentioned here. And as a result of that, kind of takes her place alongside other prominent, significant women named in the New Testament. Women like Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Susanna who traveled with Jesus and the 12. And he calls her a servant, dedicated. Now, I think it's important for us to recognize and remember who Paul is. If Paul calls you a servant, then you're a servant. Paul had a work ethic that was unmatched. I, I kind of describe Paul this way. He, he's the kind of guy, if, 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 if he walks in behind you in a revolving door, he's going to come out ahead of you every time. I, I mean, Paul was a hard worker, never stopped. I mean, Type A personality, motivated, go, 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 go. And for Paul to refer to another person as a servant, what well, was a high compliment, her, her level of, of energy, her level of commitment, her level of work must have been stellar for him to have referred to her in that fashion. Not only that, he says, you are to welcome her in a way worthy of a saint, help her. If there's anything she needs, you take care of it because she has helped so many people and me included. She was a servant, but she was a helper. She was 
one that was like Jesus. Jesus certainly said, I, I, I came in his purpose statement, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And that's Phoebe's life. And so Paul said, hey, I want you to welcome her and treat her worthy of a saint because she is. She helped so many and she helped me. So you help her. Most believe that Phoebe would have been the one who actually carried the book of Romans, the letter that Paul is writing here to the church at Rome. Phoebe would have been the one who would have hand-delivered that to Rome. For him to place that kind of confidence in her and, and, and that kind of trust in her, she was among those that Paul runs with. But not only that, he also mentions Persica and Aquila, fellow workers in Christ. Priscilla and Aquila, as you might know them better, are mentioned six times in the New Testament. Four of the times that they're mentioned in the New Testament, Priscilla's name comes first. Only two times do we have Aquila's name first. It might have been that Priscilla was, was the vocal one of the two. She was more outgoing than the other, but they were a team. And when you said one name, you said both. You know people like that, don't you? Couples that... You don't refer to them as one, you refer to both of them. And, and, and that is certainly the way it was. Paul met them in Corinth. They were natives of Rome, but during the time of persecution had left and gone to Corinth, and Paul met them there in a synagogue. He, he went to a synagogue, and often in a synagogue you were seated according to gender, men in one place, women in another place, and sometimes you were seated according to your occupation. And Paul was a tent maker, and so was Aquila and Priscilla. And so Paul perhaps was seated beside uh, Aquila in the synagogue when they first met and discovered that they both shared the same trade. And Aquila and Priscilla opened their home to Paul and allowed Paul to move in while he was working there in Corinth. And he was able to work with them to build tents during the day to provide for his needs and, um, and preach the gospel they opened their home for him there in Corinth. Later, they moved to Ephesus, and while they were in Ephesus, they ran into a young man by the name of Apollos. And Apollos didn't have a full understanding of the gospel, so Aquila and Priscilla shared with him the, the, the truth of the gospel and all that Jesus had done. And Apollos comes to faith in Jesus Christ and becomes a great leader in the church, even to the point that later on, people would say, well, uh, uh, who did you come to know Christ under? Well, I came to know Christ under the ministry of Paul. And others would say, well, I came to know Christ under the ministry of Apollos. He was elevated to a place and position is because of Aquila and Priscilla and their faithfulness and, and sharing the gospel and giving to this man. And then ultimately, after their time in Ephesus, they, they move back to Rome and they end up ministering to Paul in the latter years of his life while he was a prisoner in Rome. Who does Paul run with? Well, he runs with people like Priscilla and Aquila. He, he runs with people like 
Phoebe. And interesting enough, perhaps the most telling verse is that Paul said of, a, of Aquila and Priscilla, they risked their necks for my life. These are people that had my back. These are people that put themselves in jeopardy for me. These are the two o'clock in the morning friends. Do you have any two o'clock in the morning friends? Those are the ones you can pick up the phone and call at two o'clock in the morning and say, you know what, we're walking through a difficult time. I just need you to pray with me. Or I need you to come. And you know they're going to drop everything and come. That's the kind of friends that Paul had that he says we are to walk with. And then, Ampliatus. Only one verse given to us, Ampliatus, as, as he just simply says, my beloved in the Lord. History and archaeology tells us that Ampliatus is a common slave name in Rome. Romans often had three names. Ampliatus only had one. He, in all likelihood, was a slave. Archaeology has uncovered some really interesting things in some of the most ancient of catacombs in Rome. There is a grave in the catacombs that bears the name Apliatus, and it is ornate and highly decorated, which indicates that whoever buried him there recognized that he had such value among them, and most believe that this is the Ampliatus that Paul is referring to here, a, a slave, someone that, that doesn't have means or ability, a person that you would think couldn't make an impact in the kingdom, yet was so important to the Christians at Rome that his grave looks different than the thousands of others that are tucked away in the catacombs. Here is a slave, common slave, reminding us that Paul said, hey, when we look at the kingdom of God, it's neither Jew or Gentile, bond or free, male or female, we are all one in Christ. And Paul seems to show the reality of that by the folks he hangs out with and the people he runs with. The final one that I would mention to you today is Rufus and his mother, that interesting Paul says, Rufus and his mother and mine. Rufus's mother had become Paul's mother. She mothered him. I, man, I could chase a lot of rabbits right here and talk to you about how many mothers and grandmothers I've had in churches that I've grown up with who've loved on me and just adopted me as a family member. I've got, I've got sisters, though I don't have any blood sisters. I've got sisters. I, I talked to one of them uh, just on Friday because we... We share a, 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 a mother. Their mother adopted me and loved on me as a young preacher boy, and, and I became a part of their family. And that's what Paul experienced with Rufus. Now, it's interesting, this Rufus, in all likelihood, because of Mark chapter 15, verse 21, Rufus was the son of Simon of Cyrene. You remember Simon of Cyrene is the one who carried the cross of Jesus. 
And the Romans compelled Simon to carry his cross. And, and, and Mark says of Simon, because it would have been known among the Christians who were there so that they would know, he says of Simon of Cyrene, oh, he's the father of Rufus. It might have been that carrying the cross of Christ made such an impact on Simon's heart that he came to faith in Jesus and his son comes to understand, having been there at the crucifixion, who Jesus was, changed his life, and he became a fellow worker among those who were in the church. He moves to Rome, and he serves God there. So I want to ask you a question. What do these folks have in common? The folks that Paul runs with, what do they have in common? Well, as I look at it, and you could add to the list, all of them seem to love God. <laughs> all of them were committed to Christ. All of them sought God's direction. They had proven themselves trustworthy and faithful. They could be counted on. None of them were perfect. It, it, it wasn't the perfection of their life. It was the direction of their life that matters. The friends that we surround ourselves with are not to be people that are perfect, but it's not the perfection of their life, but the direction of their life. When, when we recognize they mess up, but what do they do when they mess up? They always come back to God. They always seem to want to, to wanna come back in that direction. Paul surrounded himself with people that, that loved God, were committed to Christ, who, who, who sought him, who had proven themselves faithful and trustworthy. Now, when I ask you a question, if those are the kind of people we need to run with, where do you find those kind of people? I want to suggest to you, you find them at the church. Maybe that's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You guys need each other. You need friends. And where we're going to find friends like that, we're going to find them here. And there are some of you that say, well, I'm here and I don't have those kinds of friends. Well, you're not going to find them in a big room like this. You're probably going to find them in a small group. It's going to take an effort on your part to get involved in a small group, to get to know people and understand who they are and and as we begin to rub shoulders with them and develop relationships with them, we begin to recognize those that love God and, and are pursuing God and are faithful and, and are trustworthy. Individuals that are not perfect, but it's not the perfection of their life, but the direction of their life is always coming back to God. And, and these are the kinds of people that we can move toward. And I'm not saying that, that we as Christians are not to have friends that are far from God are that we're not to have friends that, that are not Christians, but what I'm saying to you is that as a child of God, it should only be those who are walking with God with whom you take counsel and advice. You shouldn't be turning to those who don't know God for wisdom and how to live life. It's not that they're bad. It's not that they're Ignorant, it's that they don't understand the principles by which we live. They don't understand the challenges that we face. And so Paul is simply saying we need to surround ourselves with people that know God and we take counsel and advice 
and have deep, intimate relationships with those who are believers. That's the reason the Bible tells us that as a Christian, we shouldn't marry unchristians. Did you know that? That's why. I would even go one step further and to say to those of you that are single, the Bible would simply say this, don't even date a person who's not a Christian. If you're a Christian, don't date people that are not Christians. And you would say, well, why would we want, why would you say that? Because you run the risk of falling in love with that person and you run the risk of marrying a person. And, and, and so you're saying, well, what's so big and bad about that? Well, I, I just want you to understand if I can chase this rabbit for a second. Well, what I would simply say to you, and the reason that God tells us not to, to, to marry or have a relationship with people that are, that are not believers, is it, it makes sense. Listen, the most important human being on this planet to me is my Tanya, my wife. There's not a human being more important to me than her. And I want to tell you something. Nobody even comes close in comparison. You don't, you're not even in the same room with her. Not even my children are in the same room when it compares to the most important human being on the planet to me it is that person for whom Jesus gave me as my wife and the most important thing in the world to me is the relationship that I have with God through faith in Jesus and if I can't talk to the most important person in my life about the most important thing in my life then we set up a relationship for failure. You see, God wants your relationships to succeed. The reason he says don't be unequally yoked is because marriage is hard, guys. And you need to make sure we do everything we can to, to work together. And it's going to take both of you trusting in God and and living for him. And, and if my wife doesn't understand the principles that I live by and the God that I serve and the commitments that I've made, and I can't share those things with her, it sets up a world of conflict. Now, some of you are saying, well, I've already blown it. I'm, I'm married to a person who is, is not a believer now. Do I need to get out of that? No. If you're married to a person who is a not a believer, then what you need to do, according to the Scriptures, is live your life as close to God as you possibly can and become before them Jesus every day so that through you, God can reach them with the message of Christ. But Paul's reminded us of an important truth. It's important who you hang out with. Who are your friends? Who's on your friend list? Who do you run with? Because who you run with determines where you go. Now, the second thing that Paul does is he talks about who we should run from. <laughs> I asked you a question a moment ago. Have you ever figured out that there are some folks you need to run from? That they're not healthy for you? They're not good for you? Now, I will tell you this. Here's the challenge. I have discovered there are some people that we need to run from, and in my experience, the ones I need to run from run after me. The ones I try to get away from work hard to stay connected. They work harder to stay connected to me than the people I need to hang out with. They're constantly 
given me an opportunity to run. They chase us. But look in verse 17. Paul said, listen, avoid, run from. I urge you, brother, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching which I, you have learned. Turn away from them. You keep your eyes open. Man, there are friends that will sneak into your life that will sabotage everything you have been working on in your relationship with God in one month can derail what God's been doing in your life for a year. Be careful, he says. There are folks we need to run from. The ones who cause division, the one who cause dissension, the one who cause hindrances. Contrary to my teaching, there are friends that will literally lead you away from Christ. There are friends who will cause you to doubt your faith, who will lead you to question everything the Bible says. There are friends who will lead you to compromise your commitment. And they'll say to you, oh, I know that's what you believe, and I know that's what the Bible teaches, but it's okay this one time. God will understand under these circumstances. Paul says, I want to tell you something. You better run from those kind of friends. You better make sure you surround yourself by those that will enable you to grow in your relationship with God and run from those who will lead you to turn away from him and to compromise your faith and to question your faith. And again, I am not saying that we should not have a relationship with people that are unbelievers. We must have a relationship with people that are far from God. I've got very good friends that don't know Jesus, but they are not the people that I seek counsel from. They are not the ones I go to in a time of crisis. They are not the ones that I listen to for the major decisions that need to be made in life. I recognize there's a difference, and there's a level of difference. And I develop a relationship with them so that I might build a bridge into their life and one day cross that bridge to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think every person that we know that is far from God, we develop that relationship so that we can lead them to faith in Christ. Some thinks that is ingenuous and disingenuous and some thinks that that's that, that's wrong and proselytizing and all of those kinds of things. It was really interesting. I saw a clip the other day from, there are, um, there are two famous magicians. You're going to have to help me out. And uh, one of them doesn't talk. Ben? Penn and, Penn and Teller. Okay, you know who I'm talking about. Penn and Teller, one of them doesn't talk, the other one does. Um, the, the, the one that does talk, he's Teller, I guess. I don't know which one. Anyway, the one who does talk is the one that I heard, obviously. Um, and it was really interesting because this is what he shared. He said that he's an atheist. He said, I don't believe in God. Uh, I don't believe in the scripture. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But I am not offended by Christians who share the gospel with me. And let me tell you why I'm not offended by that. I thought this is interesting. 
He said, honestly, I would be offended if you didn't. Because if you really do believe that a person who doesn't know Jesus is going to hell, and you really do believe that I'm going to hell, and you don't share with me, then either you don't believe it or you don't care about me. Now, I don't believe that, but I'm not offended. And I thought, wow, that is, that is so powerful and so strong. I'm not saying that we don't have relationships with people that are far from God. We do. But Paul says, we got to be careful. There are some, and I want to tell you something. You know exactly what I'm talking about, and this is what's tough. Some of you have friends that you need to stop hanging out with because they are not healthy for you. They are leading you every chance they get in a direction. You have to fight to stay where you are in your walk with God and maintain a relationship with them. And you know what Paul said? You better run from those kind of people. I remember when I was a kid, and you've probably seen this illustration, but um, my dad showed me this one time. He took a chair, put it in the middle of the room, and said, okay, if I want you to get up on that chair, and then I want you to help me up. And with effort, I'm able to help him up, and I have to be careful because we have to position ourselves so that we don't turn the whole chair over as we go. And he says, okay, you're able to help me up. Now, I want you to stand in that chair, and I'm going to pull you down, and I want you to stay on the chair. Now, guess what happened? He pulled me down easily. And he used that as an illustration to say there are some friends that we have. You think by being a friend with them, you can bring them up. And I want to tell you something. It's easier for them to bring you down than it is for you to bring them up. Now, we need to have a friendship with those people, but here's the difference. I don't seek counsel from them. There is a difference in the level of my friendship. We're friends. We know each other. We may hang out with each other. But Paul said, I surround myself with those who are healthy for us. And then finally, he says this. He ends in the latter part of the chapter in verse 25. He, he, gives, us this, he gives us this wonderful um, doxology. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and preach and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past and now is manifest by the scripture and the prophets according to the commandments of the eternal God has been made known to all the nation leading to obedience to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory and dominion forever. Paul ends by saying, here's who you need to run to. Every day we need to run to the one who can establish us, to the one who can strengthen us, to the one who empowers us, to the one who guides us. We've got to be in the habit of running to God first. He's the one that establishes us. He's the one that holds us. He's the one that empowers us. That is God the Father, a 
according to my gospel, he said, the work of Christ, the preaching of the gospel, the mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery, Paul reveals, is that Jews and Gentiles can be saved, that everybody can run to God. That there's no one, it's not based on your, your pedigree, it's not based on your bank account, it's not based on your nationality, it's not based on your skin color. Everyone can run to God and they can find his arms open, ready to establish you so that you're strong and solid and unmoving and give you strength and courage to move forward. Well... I don't know if you needed that, but I did. Paul said, it matters who you run with. So let me ask you a question. Who are you running with? Who's the inner circle of friends? Who's the one you turn to for advice, counsel? Do you recognize that there are some folks you need to be running from? And are you? And do you understand that every day we need to make certain that we run to him who establishes us and gives us strength and courage to move forward? Well, it might be that you're here today and the call that God has given to you this morning through song and message is to run to him. The chain breaker the one that can free us and give us life eternal. And if you have never accepted Christ, we want to welcome you to make that decision to give your life to him today. And for you that are believers, to simply say, God, I want to look at my contact list and see if it needs to be updated. And if you don't have those kinds of friends that Paul surrounded himself with, you'll never be what God wants you to be. So maybe it's time for you to plug in to a small group and find those folks because God's brought them here just for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message you've given us today, the opportunity to respond to its truth. I pray that you will speak to us in these moments. For those that have never accepted you as Savior, today would be the day. For others of us, Father, that we would look carefully at those we surround ourselves with and recognize that maybe the reason we struggle so much in our faith is because of the people that we hang out with. Help us to develop relationships with people that don't know you, but give us those close circle of friends who will challenge and encourage us as we walk with you. As our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.